All right, some of you guys know that song, and I, what I want from you right now is I want you to imagine that song without the backup singers, how empty that song would be. A lot of the greatest songs, I, I grew up listening to song, uh, rock and roll from the 50s, 60s, and early 70s with my parents on Oldies 94.5 in Houston, and uh, I could tell you Aretha Franklin, Respect. An amazing song. I'm not going to say she wouldn't be where she is without the backup singers, but imagine that song without the people in the background singing behind her and how much would be missing. And what we're going to talk about this morning is that marriage is the greatest duet of all time. But what we're going to see is that marriage is a duet in need of great backup singers, and we are going to talk about how to be some great backup singers. But before we jump into that, uh, I just want to say Happy Mother's Day to all of the mothers in here. And I realize that Mother's Day can be a little bit of a tricky holiday for some. For some, it's an, ex- it's an exciting time. You have uh, children and grandchildren who, whom you love, and you have a great relationship with them, and you're celebrated, and it feels good. Others of you, it may be a little bit painful. Perhaps maybe you've lost your mother, and it's just a reminder of that. Or maybe you have a desire to be a mother. Uh, and God has not blessed you with those children yet, or perhaps you know that that, that day is just not going to come. Uh, and so we want to celebrate all the women of our church this morning, especially the mothers, um, but we recognize that God gives us mothers in many different ways, that we not only have our natural moms, but we also have moms in the faith, moms who come alongside of us, and they teach in our Sunday school classes, and they, they walk with us through difficult times as friends and as uh, as leaders in our youth group and just people who, who maybe help disciple us, older women investing in younger women. And so this morning as you leave, ladies, we want every single uh, lady to leave with a flower. And so uh, at this door, our ushers are going to be handing you flowers. We've got some carnations for you. And we just want to celebrate you this morning. And if you, uh, gentlemen, if there's enough left over and you'd like to take one to your mom, you're going to see her. I'm sure the kids will be grabbing some for their moms, but uh, we just want to honor everything that moms do and every way that women serve as moms uh, to think beyond just our, our moms that we have uh, that God has blessed us with. So thank you, ladies, for that. Uh, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, we have been in a marriage series. This is the final week for a marriage series, and you, those pictures that you saw flashing across the screen as we were listening to that great song were pictures from our date night challenge. We've had Four weeks of, or this will be the fourth week of the date night challenge. We've challenged couples to take one date night every week for four weeks, and we've given them a different theme. We had a play date, we had a laugh date. Uh, this last week was the dream date, and lastly, this week is going to be the double date. So if you haven't booked your double date yet, make sure you get with someone and book that double date. And uh, there's a little competition going on because we've got some prizes for the, the couples. We're going to draw a name out of a hat next week. We also have uh, prizes for those who have just served as great backup singers. A lot of us have kids in here, and we aren't able to do date night without backup singers who say, you know what, I'll give up my Tuesday evening, I'll give up my Friday evening, and I'll watch your kids so you and your spouse can go on a date night. So we also have a drawing for our backup singers, and it's not too late to serve as a backup singer this week. Uh, but the whole theme of this marriage has come down to Hebrews 13, and some of the big principles that we're walking away with this series is this, that number one, we want to uh, honor marriage. So Hebrews 13.4 says, marriage must be respected by all, honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure or undefiled in this translation. And, and so the big principle we walk away with is that we are to honor marriage. 
Every man, woman, child, young, old, singled, married, divorced, remarried, whatever stage of life, that as followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to honor marriage. We want to hold it. Honor means to esteem as highly valuable. We want to honor the marriages around us. The second thing we've said is that marriage is to be enjoyed, right? Uh, Life is hard, as we're going to see from Ecclesiastes. Life is hard, and God didn't give us our spouse to add to the difficulty of life. Right? He gives us our spouse to enjoy it. Ecclesiastes 9, 7 through 9 says, Go eat your bread with pleasure and drink your wine with a cheerful heart, for God has already accepted your work. Let your clothes be white all the time and never let oil be lacking on your head. He's saying, hey, go out, have a feast, have a party, enjoy your life. Enjoy life with the wife you love all the days of your fleeting life, which has been given to you under the sun. All your fleeting days, for that is your portion in life. Uh, and in your struggle under the sun. Now, a lot of people read this, and, and they read about struggle and in life, and they say, well, it's my spouse that's causing the struggle. And God says, no. God says, life's hard. I gave you your spouse to go through that, not add to that. So uh, we are to enjoy life with our spouse. And then lastly, uh, that we are to prioritize marriage. We are to prioritize marriage. And one way we do that, and we signal that to our friends, our family, our children, is by doing things like having a date night. Going on a date night, that signals to everyone that I'm making my marriage a priority. Genesis 2.24 says, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, and the two will be, uh, become one flesh. Uh, he'll, he'll be united with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And so we understand that this verse is a marriage verse, but it's also a parenting verse. We just celebrated the, uh, the parent-child dedication, and we said that our goal is to send our children out of our homes as adults— not on a journey to become one, right? So when they leave home, that our kids need to understand that we, are, we love you, we're glad you're a part of our family, but we have big plans upon your departure, right? Mommy and daddy are going to have lots of fun when you leave. So uh, we're going to downsize so there's no option for you to be a boomerang kid and move back in. Um, like, you're done. Like, you're out, you're on your own, go start your own family now. Uh, so we want to honor that. We want to eradicate the child-centered home uh, and continue to pursue uh, prioritizing marriage. So as we've said, marriage is the greatest duet of all time in need of great backup singers. We all need people who support and pour into and honor our marriages. And today we're going to talk specifically, uh, give you some very practical ways that you can be a good backup singer, specifically with marriages that are in crisis. In the last month, I've gotten three phone calls from friends and had conversations with friends who have said, uh, hey, I'm calling to tell you that we're getting a divorce. One of these friends I've, I've served with in ministry before. Another friend is a pastor. And another is one of my closest friends from college. And uh, all three of them just called to, to tell me, hey, I'm, I'm getting a divorce and here's what I'm going through. And so uh, everything that I'm sharing this morning, uh, in fact, I got one call on Thursday uh, this past week. And I had, to, I had to go back to my notes and flip through, like, okay, what am I supposed to do? And so our, our plan, our, our hope for you is that you can take these notes, that you would take good notes today, and that you would begin to uh, uh, share these. And what I want us to see is, I want to put this, keeping with our love songs theme, I want to put this in the context of a song. So there's, we're going to see a chorus that's going to be the refrain that's going to be over and over again that we're going to sing, much like a modern worship day song, except it's going to be more than just the chorus, right? Uh, we're actually going to have verses. So we're, we're going to see verse 1, verse 2, verse 3. And these may be phone calls, conversations, right? 
the verse one is the first phone call. Um, these may be having dinner with someone and, and sitting down. And so it may be the, the appetizer, the entree, and dessert that, that you would move through these conversations. And um, they may not all happen at three separate conversations. They may all happen in one conversation. But we want you to see the progression of how things move as we counsel. Because I do believe that every Christian, every follower of Jesus Christ, ought to have a marriage ministry and be equipped for marriage ministry that you through the power of the Holy Spirit, ought to be pouring into the marriages around you. Some of you have grand, uh, kids and grandkids who are married. Some of you one day will have kids who are married, and you need to be prepared for when you get that phone call of, hey, mom and dad, we're struggling, or hey, mom and dad, we're getting a divorce. And uh, again, I hope you take good notes, but I, I don't want you to be like the person in the call center who just got trained, and you're like, oh my gosh, uh, um, uh, and how are you feeling? Uh, I love you. Right? That's not the idea. We want you to take this and put it into your own words, um, but use this as you relate to the families around you, the couples that are struggling around you. We're actually going to see this idea of the backup singers is not anything new. Uh, We're going to see this in the Song of Solomon. The Song of Solomon is this book that contains this dialogue between Solomon, the shepherd king, and the Shulamite woman, the simple country girl that he falls in love with and ends up marrying. And there's a third player in this, in this book, and they're called the Daughters of Jerusalem, the Women of Jerusalem. And they are the backup singers that come around Solomon and this Shulamite woman, and they advocate for the marriage. That's what it means to be a backup singer, that you advocate for the marriage, that you understand that when you get that phone call, it's not advocating or taking the side of your son-in-law or daughter-in-law. Uh, excuse me, of your son or daughter and beating up on your son or daughter-in-law. It's, no, I'm, I'm in this for both of you. And that's going to be hard for some of you because you're going to say, how can I support, how can I say that I'm for my son-in-law when he's said and done some of these terrible things? Uh, and, and we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. But we have to be for the marriage. And we need them to know that I'm not for you or, or against her, but I am for this marriage. And so we want to honor this marriage, and we see this in the, in the Song of Solomon with the daughters of Jerusalem. Just a brief outline real quick. In, in chapter 1, Solomon and the Shulamite woman are dating. They start this dating relationship, and the first thing that we read, first time we see the women in the chorus, this is going to be the theme, this is going to be the tone of all of our conversations, that we want to rejoice, be glad, and praise their love and their marriage. And it says this in verse 4 of chapter 1, we will rejoice and be glad for you. We will praise your love more than wine or sparkling cider for my Baptist friends. Uh, it's, only the, it's only right that they adore you. And so what do they say? They say, hey, we see your young love, and we're going to praise that. We're going to rejoice. We're going to be glad and praise your love. And so in all of our conversations, as difficult as they may be, we want to rejoice and be glad for and praise the love and the marriage that we are investing in. So that's the tone for everything that we do. And we've got to understand that, that this can be difficult because sometimes we're brought in at different times throughout the process. Um, there's, there's a couple of emotions and, and phases of the marriage uh, when it's moving towards divorce. And the first time, usually we, we, we feel shock. We get a phone call and it's like, oh my gosh, what? I, I can't believe this is happening. And from shock, we move into confusion. It's, it's like, well, the last time I saw you guys at Christmas, everything seemed, seemed fine. How long? Uh, I, I just don't understand. How long have you guys been going through this? How long have you felt this way? And so you're a little bit confused, and that confusion 
a lot of times moves towards anger as we start to ask questions and we're not getting answers to the questions that we're asking. And we have to be very careful at this anger stage because it's very easy for us to start picking a side and to say things like, well, you deserve better. You've put up with this long enough. I can't believe they would do that to you. That is an example of bad backup singing. And we have to be careful that when they call us and they're experiencing the anger that we don't jump in on that. And then usually there is the separation. There's the separation of, hey, I've, I've moved out. And sometimes this is the point when they call you and say, I've moved out. Uh, and then finally, there's, there's the divorce. Uh, and I just want to say for some of you in this room this morning, you're, this happens a lot when we talk about marriage and when we talk about speaking into other people's marriage. There's a group of people who say, I can't do that because I've been through divorce before. I'm on my second, I'm on my third marriage, and, and let me just give you this encouragement. If that's you, um, we still need you to pour into the marriages around you. Let me, let me encourage you to make the marriage that you're in right now a great marriage and your last marriage. If you can make that commitment, let me encourage you to do that. But we need you. And a lot of times you're going to be the first one that they call because they know that you've been through this before. And so you still have that opportunity to pour into them and direct them towards the word of God and to, to aligning their life with him. And so we want to be these great backup singers. And let's start by looking at Song of Solomon, chapter 5. So chapter 1, they're dating. Chapter 2, they're engaged. Chapter 3, they're married. Chapter, chapter 4 is the honeymoon. And chapter 5, they come back from the honeymoon and they have their first big fight. Let me see a show of hands. How many of you had your first big fight on the honeymoon? Anybody? Any, come on, you can be honest. You're in church. All right, okay, one or two, one or two had their first big fight on their honeymoon. Well, they've come back from their honeymoon, and we, we see this in verse 2. She's going to recount, she's recounting a story that's happened. She says, I sleep, but my heart is awake. A sound, my love is knocking. And then now she's going to recall the conversation that she had with Solomon. Open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my perfect one, for my head is drenched with dew and my hair with droplets of night. Let's stop there. So here's what's happening. Solomon has been out working all day. He's the shepherd king. He's busy. He's been out working. And he comes home from the field and he's ready to be with his wife. When she says open, when he says open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, um, he's, he's saying, uh, there's a Hebrew term for this. It's a long term. You may want to write it down. Uh, the Hebrew term is bow, bow, chicka, bow, bow, right? So I know we got young ears in here, but, but that's, what, that's what he's saying. He's saying, I want to be with you physically. And then he goes on and he says, open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my perfect one. Uh, and that phrase there, if you go back to chapter 4, which is the honeymoon, and the first time she exposes her naked body to him, and I know some of you are like, hey, we're getting the kids, we're out, okay, but I'm not going to go any further than that. But the first time that he sees her, and she exposes herself to, to him, he says, you are flawless, you are perfect. And so he's using these terms. It's like honey, darling, dear, sugar pie, whatever you say to your wife, whatever your pet name is. And so he's saying, I love you, I want to be with you. And then we read this, uh, and, and I'm going to try to put these next few verses in the tone that I think she's saying this in. Uh, so it's really hard when you read scripture to, to get the tone, but let me, uh, let me just try my best. I, I think this is the way she said it. She says this. She says, I have taken off my clothing. How can I put it on again? I, I have washed my feet. Can I get them dirty again? Must my love thrust his hand? Uh, and, and, and she's saying this. She's saying, look, I, I'm in bed. I'm ready for bed. 
uh, I, I've taken off my clothes. I've got my robe on. I'm, I've washed my face. I've washed my feet. I'm in bed. Uh, I've had a busy day, and you will not be my last task. Right? And so she says no. She says no. She says, look, if you want to be with me, you, you think you can go all day without talking to me and then come home and get a little something-something? She says, no, if you want to be with me, how about you do the dishes? If you want to be with me, how about you just hold me? If you want to be with me, how about we cuddle on the couch and watch a movie? And so she says no. She rejects his advances. And then we see this. My love thrust his hand through the, through the opening, and my feelings were stirred for him. So he sticks his hand through the door, and he says, I'm going to leave a little token of my love for you. Um, I, I'm leaving now, but I want you to know that I, that I still love you, and he's going to go away. And now she realizes that she messed up. She says this wasn't a good interaction. We've had a problem. We've had a fight. And she starts to have a change of heart, and my feelings were stirred for him. I rose to open for my love. My hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers flowing with honey on the handles of the bolt. I opened to my love, but my love had turned and gone away. I was crushed that he had left. I sought him, but did not find him. I called him, but he did not answer. And then we're going to skip over to chapter 6, verse 1. So she realizes that she's made a mistake. She's messed up. This was not a good encounter, and she doesn't want to leave it like this. So she goes out to find Solomon, but he's already gone. He's already gone, and she begins running through the streets looking for her lover. And this is what we read. We find the young women of Jerusalem in chapter 6, verse 1. Where has your love gone, most beautiful of women? Which way has he turned? We will seek him with you. That is a great example of backup singers. They say, why are you crying? What's wrong? Let us go with you to find him. Notice what they don't do. They don't sit in the break room. And she says, you won't believe he came home last night and just wanted to be expected that he was going to be with me. And they don't say, ah, I can't believe that. I would have told him no too. He is such a pig, right? No, they say, where is your lover? We will go with you to find him. They don't pick sides. They don't say we're for you. I get it. I can understand how how you'd be upset. But they say, we are for your marriage. We want to go with you to find him. And so... Uh, let's, let's, let's look at a few things that we can take away uh, from backup singers. How can we practically put this into practice? Now we understand what it means to, to be for the marriage, that we're not going to pick sides, that we're not going to bash the other spouse, uh, but we're going to be for the marriage. And so the first thing I want us to see, verse 1, this may be the first phone call, it may be the first time you guys sit down and have coffee, but the first thing I want us to see is in verse 1 that we are going to advocate and validate. We're going to advocate for the marriage and we're going to validate their feelings. And this, I think, is the most important interaction that we're going to have in the whole process because this determines, this first conversation determines whether or not we get a second phone call. And if we don't handle it well, if when we pick up the phone and, we, and they say, I just called to tell you that I'm getting a divorce, the friend that I spoke to this week said, man, thank you so much. I called another friend and he just told me how stupid I am and that I just didn't love Jesus enough. And, um, you know, I can tell you that other friend is not going to get another phone call, right? If we mess this up, if we just start saying, well, I can't believe that you would do this, da, 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 da. It's like, mom and dad, great. I deal, dealt with this for 20 years. Thank you very much. Uh, and we're not going to get another phone call. So we want to be sure that that we handle this in the right way so that we can continue speaking into their marriage, that we can continue speaking into their lives. So the first thing we want to do is we want to advocate and validate. We want to advocate for both spouses. 
And uh, this is where we get the chance to say, look, I know I'm talking to you right now, but I want you to know that I'm for both of you. I'm for both of you. I am for this marriage. This is not about you. This is not about her. This is about your marriage. And so I am for both of you. Uh, And uh, the second thing that we want to do is we want to focus on feelings and not issues. We want to focus on feelings and not issues. If we focus on issues, lines will be drawn. Lines will be drawn. And this goes back to the advocating for the marriage. Uh, A lot of times what happens, especially as parents or as close friends, we know about issues that they've been having for a long time. And we we hold on to those feelings. We hold on to the things that that he said and did when he was in his 20s. Well, let me ask you, uh, now that they're in their 30s and 40s, they call and say, hey, we're getting a divorce, and you're still hung up on stuff that happened when he was in his 20s. How many of you want to be judged by things that you said and did in your 20s? And you're like, no, that's, that's why I drink uh, a little bit, uh, trying to forget all that. So we don't want to be judged by those things. And so we shouldn't hold on to those things either. We have to make sure that we separate from the issues, the issues from the feelings. And we can validate feelings without going into issues. When he calls and says, hey, uh, man, I just, I, she is so controlling. And we can say, well, I can understand the feelings of control. Let's talk about the feelings of control. Well, when she, no, 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 no. We're not talking about what she does and what she says. We're talking about your feelings of control. Let's talk about how it feels when you're feeling controlled. Let's focus on that. Let's focus on your feelings, right? This is is where we want to stay. What are you feeling right now? What is going on inside of you right now? Let's talk about that, not on the issues. Uh, When we get into issues, then we end up uh, drawing those lines. The third thing is that we want to validate feelings without validating choices, And this is really hard, especially when you're only involved with one of the spouses. And I could tell you as a pastor, my words get twisted 4,000 million billion trillion different ways. People hear what they want to hear and not what you actually said. And so if you're not careful, what happens is they go back and they say, well, I was talking with Pastor Charlie today and we both agree. And it's like, no, 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 no. You did not hear that correctly. You didn't hear what I was saying. Okay, so we need to be sure that we don't validate choices. And and, uh, it's usually not in the first conversation, but at some point we need to say, look, I I love you, but you need to understand the choice you're making is a knucklehead choice. Like that's not the first conversation we have or else we don't get a second phone call. But they need to understand that we don't agree with their choices. And we want to encourage them to make choices uh, based on truth and not on what they are feeling right now. Not on what they're feeling right now. Because uh, I can tell you, I've counseled a number of people who've said, he says he doesn't love me anymore. And can you imagine how small and how low you feel at that point when he says, someone tells you, I I don't love you anymore, I never loved you. And you begin to make decisions on that rather than what you know to be true. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a second. So we want to validate feelings and not choices uh, we want to be sure that it's not about whether they're making the choice to stay or whether they're cha- making the choice to leave. Uh, it can be hard to stay focused on this. It can be hard because we want to find out more and, and we want to uh, f- make them feel good, whatever we can do to make them feel good, and we end up validating the wrong things. And so we want to we be able to say, you know, I can understand that you're angry. I can understand that you're angry. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about h- how we feel when, when we're angry. So we want to validate that. And, and it can be hard when you have a strong personality. Um, I, I have a very strong type A personality. And so it's hard for me at times to bite my tongue 
when they're telling me all the things that they're doing, and I just want to say, that you're an idiot. I can't believe you would even think about that. Uh, but we've got to bite our tongue, and we've got to stay focused on the main thing and continue uh, to, to do that. And, and let me tell you, a lot of times we get the phone call, and it's going to be the son, and he says, Dad, the way she spends money, and Dad, you're going to have to bite your tongue because you're going to want to say, Son, let me tell you about your mother. And let me just say, you're going to need to get a second job, right? We've got to bite our tongues. We've got to keep, keep the main thing the main thing. And so we're just going to keep saying, hey, let's talk about this. Let's talk about what you're doing. And I'm in this for both of you. We want to advocate and validate. And here's the goal of the first call. The goal of the first call is to get a second call. The goal of the first verse is to get to the second verse. So we get that second phone call. We, we've earned the right to be heard. Now what do we do? Verse 2, call number 2, the entree comes, or this is our second coffee with them. Uh, we want to answer questions. And the key here is that we wait for questions. We don't just b- bombard them with our questions, but we wait for questions. In our house, uh, we play dodgeball with our backyard, in the backyard with our kids. They love to play dodgeball. Uh, we, play, we play all sorts of games with them. And I can tell you, in the middle of summer, when it's, a, when it's 105 degrees at 8 o'clock at night, I don't always feel like going out and playing dodgeball, but I do. And I do because I know that somewhere in the middle of playing dodgeball or somewhere in the middle of playing kill the man with the ball, that one of my kids is going to turn to me and say, hey, Dad, this happened today. Can you tell me about? Or, and it's like, yes. This is why we play endless rounds of war uh, with the cards that last for hours is so that somewhere in the midst of this game, they think we're just playing a game. They think we're just going on a daddy-dude date or a daddy-daughter date. But somewhere in the midst of that, they're going to ask a question, and I want to be there to be able to answer it. So for the same reason, we want to be there. We want to wait for their questions. And let me tell you, if you're, if you're that strong personality and you pick up the phone and they say, we're getting a divorce, and you just start preaching, you're not going to get the second phone call. You're not going to get the ability to speak into them. We have to wait for their questions. Then we get to move to, to begin to move to guidance and instruction. And as we move towards guidance and instruction, we have to focus on what is true and avoid rewriting history. So when he says, she, she told me that she doesn't love me anymore. She told me that she never loved me. Then we have to say, well, hold on a second. What do you know to be true? What do you know to be true? Let's not rewrite history. You're, you're, you're painting your whole 20 years of marriage with a broad brush of just the last six weeks. What do we know to be true? And, and begin speaking truth over them. And let me tell you, if you can look someone in the eyes uh, and, and sit across from them and say, look, I know that you are created in the image of God. And if they're a Christ follower, reminding them that you are a child of God and that he loves you. You get to speak those words of truth over them, those words of value and of, of honor. It changes the conversation. It changes the tone of things. And, and it's hard to, to even sometimes say those words. I mean, think about one of your own children and when they're hurting. And if you were to speak those words to them, uh, I, I don't care how tough you are as a dad, try to get those words out without your bottom lip quivering a little bit. To speak those words of value over them, reminding them of what is true. Uh, And then lastly, we want to keep in mind that you never know the whole story. You never know the whole story. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to do the best with what you do know. You're going to do the best with what information you have. 
And this is why we don't pick sides, why we don't focus on issues, is because we don't know all the details. And so we want to avoid from picking sides. Um, We're just going to focus on what we know to be true and remember that we don't know the whole story. And then thirdly, this is the last thing. This is the most important verse. We remember that our hope is in Jesus. Well, he's never going to change. She's never going to change. Well, that's okay. My hope isn't in you. My hope isn't in her. My hope is in Jesus. My hope is in God. And we, we, when we bring the name of Jesus up in the conversation, all of a sudden the tone shifts. It moves from being about who's right and who's wrong and who's done what to hurt the other person to now we're talking about Jesus Christ. And so we want to, we want to bring Jesus up. And, and I know sometimes you bring up Jesus and some people are going to say, well, you know, Oprah taught us to, to search inside our feelings and our counselor says that we need to search inside ourselves. Well, let me tell you the problem with that. If, if you try to look inside of yourself, you're going to find dirt and filth and nastiness because our inner self is tainted by sin. It's tainted by sin. And so that's all we're going to find there. Jesus didn't say, you are the way, the truth, and the life. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so we focus on him and on what his word says. That's where the truth is. That's where we begin to find healing. And one of the ways that we can do this is to share the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Share the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Use his name in that conversation because Jesus is still the most powerful name. He is the name that is above all other names. And when you begin to talk about the resurrection of the dead, especially with your friends who are believers, and you say, do you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead? Yes, I believe that. Do you understand that Scripture tells us that that same power is available to you as a follower of Jesus Christ, and that God can raise your dead marriage, that he can breathe life into your dead marriage and raise it from the dead? It's really hard to back away from No, I don't believe that. When you've already said, I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I believe that God raised him from the dead, you're kind of backed into a corner now. You have to say, yes, I I do believe that. All right, then let's take steps to do that. I want us to look at Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 19. It says, uh, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power to us who believe, saying that we have that same immeasurable power according to the working of his vast strength. He demonstrated this power in the Messiah by raising him from the dead and seating him at his right hand in the heavens. And then chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Now to him who is able to do above, all, beyond all, above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in you. Do you see this? that if we are in Jesus Christ, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is available to us. And God can breathe new life into our marriages. God can raise your dead marriage. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you to raise your dead marriage. And that's what our hope is in. Not in you, not in the last book that you read, not in how you feel, not in the biblical counselor. But our hope is in the power of God who continues to work miracles to this day. He continues to work miracles. Um, We have to remember that that this is the hope that we hold out. Some of you here this morning are in struggling and difficult marriages. And I just want to let you know that that is the hope that we hold out for you. That God can raise your dead marriage. The happiness that you're looking for outside of your marriage, 
we believe that it can be found and more is possible within your marriage. A lot of times what's happening today is when people get in difficult situations in their marriage, they go to Facebook and they post, I'm in a difficult marriage or, or we're struggling. And they see whoever responds and someone may respond and say, hey, let's get, let's get coffee this week. Why don't you and I have, have a date? Uh, whichever one of their old high school friends responds. And, and we see that happening a lot. Or they begin to look in other places. You don't have to go to farmers only uh, to find someone new. The city girl that God has given you will be great if you will just take the time and the effort and trust God to work in that marriage. We have to continue to understand that. We have to be backup singers that say, look, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work with you. I'm going to talk. I'm going to text. I'm going to email. I'm available. I will get on a plane and fly to you if I need to, to walk through this with you, to be there with you as you walk through this. I just want to be sure that, that you're not making decisions based solely on what you're feeling right now because you have a long history together. And we have to remind ourselves what is true. And I believe that Jesus can breathe new life into this marriage. And some of you are here this morning again. You're in a difficult marriage. And right now you're rejecting the backup singers that God has placed in your life. And if that's you, let me just ask this of you. Set aside your pride. Set aside your arrogance. And, and listen to those backup singers who are trying to speak the truth of God into your life. And they're trying to walk alongside of you because they love you. You know that they love you. And I hope this morning you know that it is through the power of God that everything you're looking for in marriage, everything you think you're going to find out there with someone else is available in the marriage that you're in right now. Let us be good backup singers that, that helps bring marriages back to reconciliation, that helps see marriages restored, families restored. It begins, I believe, with prayer. Are you praying regularly for the, for the marriages around you? Are you on your knees when someone says, we're going through a divorce? I, I can tell you the, the three phone calls that I've had in the last month, um, every single one of them, I have said this, I am praying for reconciliation. I want you to know that that is what I'm praying for. And, and when we talk, I'm going to encourage you towards reconciliation. And, and I can't tell you the number of texts and phone calls that I've gotten since then from my friends who they tell me, I'm really struggling right now. She says she's moving out. I know she went on a date with him. And I keep telling him, remain faithful. Galatians 6, 9 says, do not grow weary in doing good. If we do not grow weary in doing good, we will reap a harvest in due time if we do not grow weary. And I texted him that verse and he said, man, I, I, I just needed that today. There are going to be times when you feel like quitting. But imagine how the disciples felt on day two after Jesus' crucifixion. Waking up on day three. And then later in the morning on day three when they found out that Jesus was alive. That there was hope. There was hope. That same hope is available for your marriage. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you do restore and raise dead marriages. Lord, we thank you that, um, that you provide backup singers to us, people who will surround us and love us and care for us, who are willing to do the hard thing and call us on account when we're making foolish decisions, but be there to support us and love us. 
be there to speak the truth in love, as difficult as it may be to hear. Lord, I pray for those that are in difficult marriages and those who, Lord, we know every single marriage in here at, at one point or another will have difficult seasons that they walk through. And I ask that you would give us the humility and the wisdom to listen to the backup singers around us. I pray for everyone in this room, young, old, married, single, divorced, remarried, whatever the situation is, God, would you give them wisdom as backup singers? Help us to honor, to esteem as highly valuable all the marriages around us. And would you give us wisdom when those phone calls come? Would you help us to speak truth, to remind them of the great power that is available through your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.